then I remember I opened the WWE.com homepage and I saw uh, Bradshaw was the champion. I was like, what, what's going on? Because the last time I watched, he was part of a tag team back then. So I was like, everything changed. Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves. A lot to get to this week, as all weeks. And of course, helping me navigate, avoid driving straight into the mountain, my co-pilot, NXT's Vic Joseph. Vic, what's the word? Nothing much, my good friend. Glad to be back for another week with you. Exciting times. You got to go to a baseball game over the weekend. Congratulations to Candice LeRae on winning her first championship in the WWE, along with Indy Hartwell. It's been a solid week. It has been a solid week. I'm very excited. I'm feeling good about it. But let's kick things off with the biggest story, the story on the lips and tongues of the entire WWE universe. This past Friday night on SmackDown might have been the last time we see Daniel Bryan in WWE. Obviously a grueling, incredible matchup with the head of the table, Universal Champion Roman Reigns. The two tore it down as we all knew they would. However, the result, probably not what Daniel Bryan was looking for. Uh, probably not. And, and, it's, and this is what we had been talking about for, well, really the lead up to WrestleMania was the individual matches that Roman Reigns could have, whether it was with Edge or whether it was with Daniel Bryan. And, and once again, Roman Reigns proved himself that he can stand toe-to-toe with anyone in the ring. But man, Daniel Bryan gave it everything he had. What an exciting match that was really for the last hour of SmackDown. Right, on Friday. Right. I mean, it was awesome to sit right. back and just see pure wrestling for more than eight minutes. Was Even in this day and age, I, I challenge you to find anybody from a technical standpoint that does it better than Daniel Bryan. Uh, again, we knew they were going to tear it down, but now it's a very real possibility that we're faced with. We might not see Daniel Bryan definitely on Friday night SmackDown, but even within the hallowed halls of WWE, at this point, Brian's playing his cards pretty close to the vest. To my knowledge, he hasn't really made any sort of public statements about what's next. Uh, there are plenty of speculations swirling in the internet wrestling community. That's basically all the information we have to work with at this point. What do you see happening with Daniel Bryan next? Uh, I think only one man knows that to what you just talked about with Daniel Bryan. I don't really know the man that well. I've had conversations with him. I know he loves his wife. I know he loves his family. So this is that gray area that, you know, I like about WWE. When you actually have legitimate questions about what's happening because nobody knows that's the fun time to be a fan. The last time I really remember this quote unquote gray area was CM Punk. Right. You know, what's he going to do? Is he gone? Is he there? What's he? Oh, wait a minute. Oh, that's in the refrigerator. Like what? This is what makes wrestling special to me. As this I agree. I, I think it's a really cool comparison. However, I would argue that they differ in that Punk won the title and then disappeared. Right. Yeah. Daniel Bryan lost a essentially a loser leaves town, a loser leaves Smackdown match. Uh, and now all we can do is speculate until we he, hear or see something from Daniel Bryan himself. Let me ask you this. I, I myself, I know Daniel a little bit, but I've never been particularly close with him. So I, I, we don't text regularly. I don't have any sort of inside source or, to, to go off of. But you talked about how much Bryan loves his wife and his family and, and that aspect of it. But I challenge you to find anybody walking the earth who loves this business as much as Daniel Bryan to the depths 
that Daniel loves it. We were talking before we started recording today about how Daniel years ago thought his career had wrapped up. He was done. He was able to, to defy the odds, make his comeback under the WWE banner and has remained here since then and has done incredible things since returning from what was thought to be a career ending injury. Daniel, to me, the little bit that I know him and the, the conversations we have from time to time, what, does Daniel have unfinished business elsewhere? Uh, again, I don't know the man that well, but I, I, you know, when you hear him talk and, and you really think about it, maybe he does. He's been very open about other um, athletes that he'd like to tangle with um, other dream scenarios. He has, I mean, selfishly, I'd love him to come to Tuesdays um, to have some of those matches because I remember before coming to the WWE seeing Daniel Bryan versus a guy like Johnny Gargano and right. how cool that was. So yeah, I think there's a lot of those scenarios and, and look, you yourself are a former in-ring competitor. I'm willing to bet there's still a burning desire within you to step back in the ropes. We have Nigel McGinnis coming up. He still wants to step back in the ropes. So my throwback to you on this is, does a professional wrestler ever really retire? I, I think that's a very valid question. And so history has told us that the answer is generally no. Uh, but, but again, this is, this is Daniel Bryan who was banned from SmackDown. He didn't voluntarily retire. So maybe selfishly, I'm hoping he shows up on Monday Night Raw. To your point, maybe he goes to NXT. Maybe Daniel Bryan has business elsewhere. I distinctly remember a conversation I had with Bryan a few years ago. We were standing in Gorilla uh, before he went out for a match. And my, my younger brother, who is a sports entertainer in Mexico, had just uh, wrestled a, a Mexican legend in a, in a mask versus hair. I mean, as traditional Lucha Libre, as big of a match as you can get. And Daniel okay. Bryan was talking to me about how excited he was for my brother. Really? Because that was, that was a dream of Brian's because the fan in him respects that culture so much and thought, man, I've always wanted to do that. Here's a guy who won the championship at WrestleMania literally mm -hmm. does not get any bigger than, you know, WrestleMania 30 and the yes movement and, and 60,000 people chanting. And here's a guy who experienced that but still has this burning interest in other things just because his passion is so strong for this business. Maybe Brian wants to explore options there. We know he spent some time and had some success in Japan. Maybe that's something, maybe Daniel never steps in a ring again. I think to your point you made earlier, only Daniel Bryan knows those answers, but this is a guy that basically has punched his ticket. He is, he is transcended the WWE logo in the sports entertainment world. Wherever Daniel Bryan ends up, he is going to be a bona fide star. And, and I think he, his contributions have been to this point such that he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. If Daniel oh, no Bryan doubt. never steps in the ring again, Daniel Bryan will, will enter the WWE Hall of Fame at some point. My question, my, my curiosity is, what does Daniel the man have left to accomplish before the wheels fall off? Which, according to him, doesn't seem like too much too far into the future. Well, so to your question, I think if, if, if Daniel, the man has something else to prove to me, and this is just me speaking with no knowledge, what is left on Daniel Bryan's list to do? Is exactly. it main event? Uh, a, a match in Indonesia. Is it to go down and have a hair versus mask match in Mexico? Is it to return to the place he had his first match and have his last match there? I don't know. Right. It, only one man does. And no matter what the decision is made, I have nothing but the utmost respect for Daniel Bryan for what he has given to this industry and to this business.
I completely agree with you 100% on every syllable that you have just spoken. Uh, all I know is that wherever Daniel Bryan ends up, I, maybe selfishly, hope that it is under the WWE banner. Well, wherever Daniel Bryan decides to show up, one man that will have his eyes on Daniel Bryan. I was able to catch up earlier this week. Former broadcast colleague of mine. He also discusses our guest this week, that being NXT UK superstar Walter, the one and only magic man himself, Nigel McGuinness. Being joined by Nigel McGuinness. It is Tuesday. We're both here at NXT. Nigel will be voicing over 205 Live. So, Nigel, first and foremost, thanks for taking the time. It is a pleasure, as usual, to be alongside you, Vic. But for you, any opportunity to chat with me? Now you're missing me. Now you're not on 205 Live. Of course I'm missing you, Nigel. We had so many times in the car. I mean, that's a show in itself. All the McDonald's I've seen you digest into your body. Best of times, it was the worst of times. <laughs> in the worst of times. Uh, <laughs> speaking of which, and uh, again, I really do appreciate you joining me here on After the Bell uh, for a few moments. We're going to have Walter coming up, of course, the NXT United Kingdom champion. Before we get to Walter, and you have followed his career since the start, I want to talk about another superstar who's been making headlines for years and more recently because he is no longer allowed to appear on SmackDown due to his loss to Roman Reigns, that being Daniel Bryan, someone you're very familiar with. Yeah, Daniel Bryan, I remember when we first started out in the same locker room and he's the guy who our careers almost paralleled each other until uh, coming here to WWE and then we went off in very different directions. But a good friend of mine, uh, nothing but respect from inside and outside the uh, ring and uh, a lot of interesting sort of uh, theories on the world that we've shared and car rides, et cetera, et cetera. And you'd have to read his book to learn a little more about that. All right, well, let me ask you this about Daniel Bryan. What would you think of Daniel Bryan, now that he can't appear on the blue brand, showing up Tuesdays on NXT, showing up maybe on NXT UK? (sighs) Super excited. I mean, I'd love to see Bryan here. I I mean, to be honest with you, he's a guy, much like a Kurt Angle, who just, you know, he has great matches with with absolutely everybody, you know? And and I think he's a person that you just can't help... um, What's that word when you sort of imbibe something from someone, right? I mean, you, when you're in the ring with someone with that talent, you, you can't help but being brought up uh, another level. He's one of those superstars, a, a rare occasion, you and I have talked about that in the car, that brings out the best in their opponents. Yes, yeah, certainly did with me. Um, as I said, our, our careers were almost synonymous with each other in, in the early stages. Um, I remember the first time I was in a locker room with him as well. We got there early. It was about 10 o'clock in the morning or something like that. And he was over in the corner of the locker room just reading a book. And I had this very strange sensation that for whatever reason, he was going to be a big factor in my career and vice versa. And it couldn't be any, any more true than that. But it's, uh, it's great that he's had the success that he's had here. I uh, couldn't be happier for him. And I think he's still got a lot that he can do. You mentioned perhaps coming to NXT or NXT UK. I think I'll get a lot of people talking. Well, a lot of people would love to see maybe a future Daniel Bryan versus Walter matchup. And I want to talk to you about Walter. We'll be coming up here in just a few moments on After the Bell. When it comes to Walter, you and I were both there. Takeover, uh, it was the first takeover, I believe, in Blackpool for NXT UK. And then the lights just went out. And the mere presence of Walter. I remember what I said. He's here. It's Walter. Just very few words, but it was just such an incredible moment to see him finally arrive here. People have been talking about him coming in for the longest time, and boy, did he, he did not fail to uh, live up to expectations, right? I mean, the way he, he, he stood up to, um, to Pete Dunne that night, 
how he defeated Dunn for the title and how he's gone on to have such an incredible, already almost legendary uh, run as the NXT UK champion. You're looking at over 750 days and counting mm. as champion when you put that up in the history against the Hulk Hogan's, the John Cena's, the CM Punk's. I mean, it's absolutely outrageous to think about. But I want to talk about Walter the Man. Mm. What does Walter mean this day and age to wrestling over in Europe? I think credibility as much as anything. I mean, he's very dominant. And Walter has a style that if you're a, a I don't want to say a, a, um, a new fan of sports entertainment, but maybe you, you love the high flying or you love the excitement of, of a fast moving match. Walter's a little different than that. When you first see him, it takes you a second to really understand the gravitas that he brings to his matches. I mean, you can hark back to the great Kings Road era matches, the, the, the superstars that he grew up watching on tape in terms of the Kenta Kaboshis or the Mitsuhara Masawas, and how he's taken that feeling and brought it up to date today. And so I think he brings a huge air of credibility um, and you remember the match with Ilya Dragunov, how it got everybody talking in WWE. It got, got guys from Shawn Michaels to William Regal specifically watching that match because they'd heard about it. And that's what Walter brings to the table. I think he, you couldn't have a better ambassador for the sport in NXT UK. Well, we've seen Walter, of course, mingle with some of the WWE superstars on Raw and SmackDown. You, myself, Corey Graves, as a matter of fact, mm. were all ringside at Survivor Series a few years ago when Walter was part of Team NXT, and you see him in the ring with Drew McIntyre's and the Roman Reigns and the Keith Lees, and you could feel the energy in the arena when Walter would come face-to-face -face with somebody. Yeah, there's something about the greats in this industry, whether you talk about Bruno Sammartino, who, of course, has the, the longest reign as a champion uh, that perhaps we'll ever likely see but whatever the style was whether it was a San Martino or a superstar Billy Graham or even a superstar from Mexico like El Santo they had that ability to just emote and connect with an audience and it didn't matter who they were in the ring with that person had to meet them there almost like Hulk Hogan you know that the energy and the 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 mystique that Hogan had during a match, you could just, you could feel the crowd come in with them. And I think Walter has that in spades. Not to put you on a, uh, well, I want to put you on the hot seat, of course. You sit with Andy Shepard, as you guys call NXT UK, which is available every Thursday on the WWE Network via Peacock. Who in your mind would be able to top Walter? Who do you think ends the reign of Walter? Oh, that's a great question, and it's a question that a lot of the superstars there have been trying to answer themselves. You think of the guys who've gone up against Walter. Think about the match that Dragunov had. To me, Jordan Devlin is a guy, you think really? what he did with the NXT Cruiserweight title, I think if he could put a few more pounds on his frame, really, I mean, he's, he's done really well with putting that, that title on the map and the brand, winning the Cruiserweight title on the UK brand, I just think I, I, I see something. He could have that match. He could be a guy that he could, he could last long enough with Volta. He could perhaps topple him. If not him, then perhaps a Nathan Frazier. Not right now. Frazier needs, needs some seasoning, I think, um, to get to that sort of level. But I could certainly see him at some point in time stepping up to that opportunity. Well, I know you got a busy night ahead of you. And so thank you for the time. And I'll be sure to let Walter know 
that you said he's going to lose to Jordan Devlin. <laughs> well, I'll be sure to let Walter know what you said about people from Austria. Okay, we'll end this interview now. Thanks. <laughs> nice job, Vic. Thanks to Nigel McGinnis for weighing in. I cannot wait to hear the interview. We were able to catch up with the NXT UK champion himself. That interview with Walter coming your way in moments right here on After the Bell. That was a good get, as they say. Vic, uh, picking up our old friend uh, Nigel you. McGuinness to get him to weigh in. I love Nigel. I haven't seen him in far too long. Hell of a He's guy. He's got new magic tricks, dude. No doubt. The, the, the guy is an amazing mu- uh, yeah, musician. Musician? <laughs> Maybe he's an amazing musician, too. He's an amazing magician, but yeah. a hell of a human being. I, guess, I We used to room together when I was touring Europe a lot. And, really? Uh, yeah, I spent a lot of time with Nigel. Hell of a human being. Is he any different now? than he was then he somehow continues to get more strange but in okay. a good way <laughs> I, I like to blame the magic no. for that that it has nothing to do with with this business uh, uh let's try something new this week vic i uh, we we are always throwing stuff against the proverbial wall here splat. on after the bell and see what sticks and last week we introduced the atb mailbag so if you're listening and you have something to ponder uh, use the hashtag Ask ATB, A-S-K-A-T-B, six letters, one goal. We should put that on a T-shirt. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the internet these days uh, loves the Mount Rushmore discussion about oh, yeah. whether it be the wrestling business or movies NFL or whatever football, it is. Actors, yeah, right. Correct. Every, who is Mount, who's on your Mount Rushmore? We decided to put a little spin on it this week, and we're going to carry this over for the next few weeks. We're not going to give it to you all at once. A little, little taste and make mm. you wait. But over the next couple of weeks, Vic and I have decided we are going to discuss a Mount Rushmore of sorts here on After the Bell, albeit not superstars. Let's go moments. Moments in WWE history. If you had to narrow it down, which is an impossible task, we've got memorable moments week after week, sometimes three or four times each week. So this is a monstrous task to undertake trying to whittle it down to the most important moments in WWE history to us. So uh, let's have a little fun with this, shall we? And, and because it's my show, I'm going to start things off, Vic. All right. You have the red carpet, my friend. Here we go. My number one pick, in no particular order, but my number one choice to be on the Mount Rushmore of WWE moments of significance. This is kind of an interesting one, the way I'm going with this. but All right. WrestleMania one, the, the very thing. first WrestleMania as a whole. It's, it's okay. obviously a series of moments, but looking back historically, a moment in time when that would be unbeknownst to basically everybody not named McMahon would be <laughs> the night that would revolutionize our business forever. The story has been documented. I, I'm sure there are a few pieces on WWE network. Uh, there, there was a DVD. Remember those about the history of WrestleMania that a, came out several what? years ago. Yeah. Oh, the uh, Blu-rays. I never even had one of those, but <laughs> the significance of that event is still felt to this day, 37 plus years later, it's well-documented. The McMahon family essentially mortgaged their future put everything on the line. It was truly a make or break event. Luckily for them and all of us who have benefited in the years since making unbelievable livings, having great experiences, stories for days without WrestleMania one and its success. I don't know that we're having this conversation right now. 
I will, I will honestly say that WrestleMania one was not on my Mount Rushmore. You have sold me on thinking about it being on my Mount because Rushmore let's the be honorable honest. mention. There's no right now if there's no WrestleMania success. That's that's my point. That's why it's it is on. so significant to me. I understand that maybe uh, none of the matches are really looked back upon as these amazing classics. Obviously, you had Mr. Wonderful and, and Bob Orton and Mr. T and Hogan and that spectacle. But there, there aren't any classics. There's no Macho Man versus Ricky Steamboat. There's no Austin Michaels moment. But as a whole, if we're talking significance, that as a moment to me is number one. I mean, you could argue that that is the kickstart to the, I don't want to say the global phenomenon. That just sounds hokey, but the, the, the WWE kickstart to what WWE would become was WrestleMania one. Everything hung on that one event, right? Futures, mortgages, lives, you you know, change. So I, I, I don't have it on mine. I like the argument though. I like where your head's at with that. So I'll flip that on you for a moment because mine is also WrestleMania and it comes a few years later at WrestleMania three. My first moment on my Mount Rushmore is one of the most iconic moments to me in WWE history when Hogan slams Andre. And for me, it's still to this day, correct me if I'm wrong, Graves, is in the beginning of every single show we do. Hogan slamming Andre. Hogan slamming Andre. It's still talk. We just had Hulk Hogan on the show just a few weeks ago before WrestleMania. And we talked about that night, WrestleMania three. So that moment is on my Mount Rushmore. Hogan slamming Andre is really what I think catapulted Hulkamania into the stratosphere. I can't say that that's not on my uh, Mount Rushmore, but I'm, I'm going to have to digest this a little bit. That is definitely, it should be on everyone's Mount Rushmore uh, because of the significance of that moment. And just like WrestleMania paved the way for what the business would become, that moment really rocketed WWE into the stratosphere and it made it Americana, made it Mm -hmm. pop culture. You don't have to care about WWE or pro wrestling or whatever you want to call it. If you have lived in America for the last 30 years at any point, if not longer, you've seen Hogan and Andre, that, that iconic body slam and people losing their minds. And and that was a culmination. That was Andre the giant who prior to Hogan was the guy in the business. There was only one Andre and Andre was going to be on top until he didn't want to be anymore. And that was the story has been told many times over that was Andre giving his blessing to the future, basically, and saying, Hulkster, here's the flag. Let's see what you do with it. I love that pick. I don't see how anybody can't you know, get behind that being one of the greatest moments in the history of our business. Yeah, and it's true, too. And I'll, I'll throw this to you because we just talked about WrestleMania. If it failed, what does it become? What if Andre wins that match? That's a what great happens? question. That's, that, that's a fun speculation. Does it extinguish Hulkamania? Does, does Hulk never happen? Does Hulk go away for a while and come back hotter? You'll, you'll never know. But these are the, the fun conversations you love having with people who love this business and, and as fans and friends. That is a, a crazy way to think about it. What's the it, butterfly it, effect? What's the yeah, ripple in the water of what happens right. now? You know, in are we sitting here talking if Andre wins that match? Right. Maybe, you know, Tom, it's, it's maybe Tom Howard becomes the biggest star in the history of the business. Like, <laughs> close to me. And, and, and Tom Howard's the guy that beats Andre. Who knows? I mean, it, the possibilities are truly endless, but it's always fun to speculate. It is. And it's, it's those two moments that, you know, we're talking about the first ones for us on this Mount Rushmore aren't from 10 years ago, 15 years ago. I mean, we're going back 
three decades, right? right to, to moments that still are embedded into our brains. And again, that's what's fun about professional wrestling, right? That's what's fun about this topic. It's all subjective. This is one of those fun debates, not an argument. We're not, not having an argument. arguments. We're having discussions and intelligent debate. I enjoy that. We're trying to change, change the culture here, Vic. Change the way of thinking. Let's reimagine the show, Graves. Let's reimagine it. Love it. We want to know what you're reimagining over the next couple of weeks. Join the conversation using the hashtag after the bell. We want to know what your moments are. What do you dig? What do you think belongs on the Mount Rushmore of WWE moments? Not superstars, moments. I cannot wait. And you know what else I can't wait for, Vic? I can't wait for the ATB faithful to get their ears on the interview we did with the NXT UK champion, Volter. Well, joining us right now, a, uh, a man that I've gotten to know since his debut here in this company. We just heard from Nigel talking about the NXT UK champion, the one and only Walter. Walter, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. How are you doing, guys? You're looking great, man. Thank you. Try to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's tough. I understand that. You know, all the wars you've been in, uh, even recently with Tommaso and, and Rampage Brown, and, and the list goes on. But Graves and I really were talking about it before you know, we started the interview, we want to go back to the beginning and we want to go back all the way to where it started for Walter. Yeah. It's a while ago. I think I started like 2005. What is this? Like 16 years now and small show in Switzerland. That was my first wrestling match. So. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to go back even further, Walter. What about it growing up in Austria drew you to the sports entertainment, professional wrestling business? What about it caught your imagination? Uh, so that was quite Quite simple because wrestling was very, yeah, it was very famous in Austria and Germany. Like Otto Wanz is my, maybe one of the most famous names when it comes to that. He was a former AWA world champion and that's how he got known. And then he would run big tournaments in Austria and Germany. So compared to where, how wrestling was everywhere else, it would be tours or like, or TV shows every week or something like that in Germany. And Oscar was done, they would travel to a city and just stay there for like different, but at least like 20 days or 30 days or 40 days or even longer. And they would have a tournament going on where at the last day, the, the final would happen. And my, my uh, parents used to go there quite a lot and, and watch it. it was part of entertainment there. Everybody was into it. So that was the first time I really caught attention to wrestling, I would say. Now, as you grew up attending and watching the CWA events, was there anybody that you would encounter later in life in the WWE universe that started there? I remember watching some, uh, I was there when I was a little child. So I remember, I remember Brookside. Okay. I remember, I remember Finlay, I think. I don't have it at the top of my list though. It was very, very vague, very vague memory I have of that because I was so little. And I think at that time it was at the end. So I would say most of the top guys have been already gone. I think Tony Sinclair was still there when I watched it. So they still had some very good wrestlers there, but I think the the highest point was gone already when I watched it. Did, did you have a, a moment? Was there a, an instance that you can recall where you said, I have to do that? No, not really. I never thought about that. I was, I was a fan. And when it shut down, I was watching uh, VHS of the WWE. So... It was on free to but it was only on German free to and back then it wasn't that easy to actually receive that. So you caught up 
like VHS tapes. <laughs> yeah, way later with stuff. Yeah. When, a friend, when a friend would come up with the most recent VHS of, uh, because he recorded it late night or something like that. And that's how, how I would catch up. Um, but overall, it was just wrestling was always like, a, for me, it was all about the experience of, as a fan. I, I love the, the live experience of wrestling and wrestling always had like a certain atmosphere about it that I found kind of fascinating. But I, when I was that young, I never really thought of uh, doing it, actually. So, At what point did you finally decide and, and think, hmm, I might be crazy enough to try this? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, I was playing uh, when I was young, like till I was 16, I was playing football, I was a goalkeeper. So that was the main focus. Okay. And then, then I, for years, I wasn't really interested in wrestling anymore. And then just... Years later, I catched back up again. And then I remember I opened the WWE.com homepage and I saw uh, Bradshaw was the champion. I was like, what, what's going on? Because the last time I watched, he was part of a tag team back then. So I was like, everything changed, changed so much. So I had to like actually go back in time and catch up on everything that happened because there were so many new faces I didn't even know. And then I stick with it actually. Um, and when I stopped playing football, I was kind of, I was used to do sports my whole life. So I was looking into doing new things. And then somewhere randomly, I saw like a headwork for a wrestling school in Austria. I didn't realize something like that existed. So I just went and gave it a try and then, yeah, just stick with, stick with it. I, I can't wait till JBL hears this Graves and all yeah. of a sudden he's like, yeah, because of me, we have Walter because we know he's going to spend somehow, somehow like that. But, you know, Walter, you talk about, you know, finally signing up, sticking with it. What do you remember early on about the training that you had to go through? Because really the training for professional wrestling is a lot different than training for what we call soccer, you call football. Since I was a goalkeeper and I was used to, yeah land on my side or on my back, whatever. Like that's part of the position when you play it, you always jump and reach for the ball. So like, I never had any hesitation with like taking bumps or doing rolls or stuff like that. So that was very helpful. And I, I had a pretty good, I would say I had a pretty good uh, fundamental education about wrestling because my coach, Michael Kovac is his name. He was still in CWA on the last years. So he wrestled all the, the, the big names we, we talked about. And so he was, because after CWA closed, there was no wrestling scene like in in the center of Europe anymore. It had to be wow. rebuilt. And that was pretty, the, he was like, my, my coach was one of the guys who tried to keep it up. But I was lucky enough to learn from him. There's so many little things I still stick to, to this day that I picked up back then. So, and then I've been in Austria, like, I think after three or four years, I moved to Germany and then in Germany, by then they had a bigger scene and that's when I really got busier with wrestling actually. I don't mean to cut you off, but I want to ask you, you're talking about how the, the scene uh, in Europe had, had sort of died down. When I was first breaking in and sort of getting some opportunities, I was in, in England a lot. Uh, yeah. It was about 2008, 2009. And we were getting great crowds for the independent shows. There was a company called one PW. I'm not sure. Yeah, I remember that. They brought okay. in all the big names from America and stuff. Right? Exactly. <laughs> Including yeah, myself. Brought in a great- <laughs> I was going to say, I wasn't even a name in, in America. I got booked because I could, I could cut a promo for abyss. <laughs> and I ended up, you know, having a, having a fun, fun time and a, and a good run for a few years over there. But I remember a lot of the local UK talent, confiding in us a lot that man the scene has just died and it wasn't that they wanted to use all american wrestlers it just the scene had been so weakened yeah shortly thereafter after one pw sort of folded it swung the opposite direction and the uk scene 
particularly, and I'm, I guess I'm sort of asking, did it also translate throughout all of Europe where the scene was arguably stronger than ever? Yeah, it picked up way later in Germany, you would say, than in England. In, I think England had never, the cutoff in England wasn't as bad as in Germany. Okay. Like in Germany, nothing was left. And England always had like people kind of transitioning from the heydays to what the new, the, the, the new scene was now. So all the younger talent still had a chance to learn from more experienced guys. And that was almost completely gone in, in, in Germany. So, uh, so you basically had to rebuild Germany. Yeah, like not not on my own, but no, of course, the, of course. Over the years, like when I would say we were like the same kind of core group of wrestlers back then that wrestled all the shows, all the different okay. independent shows in Germany. And there came a point with when I when that company I worked for the most WXW uh, from Germany when they when they started to run more shows and become more serious and more professional about it. And they and we all like they realized we all realized hey that we're not going to grow and the shows are not going to get bigger if we don't actively like put everything into it. And that's when they decided to actually become a proper company and give people jobs and invest in that to build something up. And then years later, when I was just doing wrestling on the side as my weekend hobby or, or a little bit of a extra, to make it a little bit extra money. Then I was at some point I was like, okay, I'm at a point in my life where I need to either focus on like on my real life career to get successful doing that. Or I give wrestling like a, the last shot. I, I, I like give it the last try to actually make a living of it. And then WXW wanted to open a wrestling school for, you know, to develop their own talent or actually work tighter with some wrestlers and stuff like that. And then they asked me to do the, do the coaching gig, to the, like take that, position there and so right away I was lucky so right away when I transitioned from a regular job to a to wrestling I had like a, a salary contract I didn't have to worry that's about that's that. almost unheard of you are right that's that's incredibly lucky especially on the independent scene to have a, any sort of steady income like that you can rely on let me ask you this who helped shape Walter uh in the ring as far as your style what you gravitated toward before you became a, a trainer before that, like that, that was that was difficult. It was kind of like we had to, like I said, in Dubix because for a while that was just doing WXW shows because we really wanted to focus on getting better at this, mm -hmm. and there was not really anybody in the country that we could really get in that would like bring us to the next step. So WXW started to bring people in that were like more experienced. We had Tom Pritchard over, and Nigel okay. was Nigel was over with us too for like a, a week seminar and. I think they even brought in Vince Russo once to help them like how to write a show and how to book talent to get people over and stuff like that. So we had a few other guys over just to stay a few days and train the people and actually just teach us like me as a coach and teach the guys in the office how to do stuff properly. Finley was there too. I remember that was the first big eye-opening experience and we picked all their knowledge up and then put it our way and just taught ourselves a little bit how to run everything properly for so there's room to grow for everybody. Wow. You know, you have a very unique style. So, you know, kind of piggybacking off of, you know, the last question, the style that you bring, who is that molded after? Or who opened your eyes to that sort of style? Uh, as a wrestler, I always liked, I always liked, uh, like Finlay, Stan Hansen, those, those guys were, I always liked realistic, like competition, but also I like chaos. 
And that was like the first kind of thing I looked at them and okay, I should maybe try to be like that a little bit. I would say I picked up the most stuff from the from the guys. I wrestled the most that when were in kind of like a similar stage as I was, like still finding themselves and self-developing that, that I could pick up from. Like Zack Sabre Jr. was a guy I wrestled all the time over the years. Like we wouldn't wrestle for a year or something or two, but then we had like a period again where we wrestled more often and I picked up a lot of stuff from him. Tim Thatcher is one of the other guys that came to Germany for tours like twice a year for a few years. And I was teaming with him on the independence then when I did more like more shows in England and more shows in the States, I was always with him and I could pick up a lot of stuff from him. Daisuke Sekimoto is a guy from Japan. Uh, I knew Sekimoto. I did a tour yes. in big Japan. He was yes. And WXW was able to get him in uh, very early, there was always a link between Big Japan, uh, Big Japan Pro Wrestling and WXW. So we had Sikimoto over quite often, or I was able to go to Japan and and learn from him. So I would say that those would be like, I think the guys I could really actively learn from the most would be like those three, I would think. What's really fascinating to me is as you are sort of finding yourself as a competitor, you're also getting a crash course in the business side of things. And you continue to grow the WXW brand, which for anybody listening, WXW and Progress, which is another company I'm sure we're going to chat about, uh, are available on the WWE Network on Peacock. You can see some of the earlier days of Walter and, and you get a frame of reference as to what it is that we're talking about that really shaped the man that we're speaking to today. What does yes. it mean to you, Walter, for somebody who's put in the blood, sweat, and tears into building this WXW brand independently of WWE to have it now under the umbrella? You've grown it to such a such a level that WWE went, ah, oh, we want that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it was like a, a confirmation for all of us that we must be doing something right. So it was, it was, it was great. So when they first got in contact with WXW, it was great for us to... to yeah, just communicate with them and pick stuff up. Um, in general, like for me, it was, I never thought about, because you just said it, like blood, sweat, tears, all like the regular stuff, but I never actively thought about it. I just did step-by-step, step, tried to get better and we tried to get better. And then let's see where we, let's see where we end up. And I think we were able to create like a great pool of talent and a lot of them you can see now in, in, in WWE. And also see, for, for me, it was always, I always said, when people ask me about career goals, I always wanted, for me, it was always important to, we want to make wrestling available again in, yeah, in, in Germany or in Europe. That's where, where the fans live. So people can actually go and see a live wrestling show and have a, and have a good time. And that they're not relying on wrestling from the United States or elsewhere to get that entertainment. And I think that that's still a big thing for me. And being able now in, in NXT to showcase wrestling the way I think it should be done or I think it's the right way. And then also have all the other guys from WXW following up. Like Marcel wasn't was in WXW. He was there a little bit early before me. So was uh, Alexander Wolf. He was one of the WXW guys. Ilya Dragunov is one of the WXW guys. And Teoman, who just uh, debuted in NXT UK, he's, from, uh, he's a WXW guy too. So I think... Yeah, everything pays off really well so far. Yeah, there's something you mentioned about, you know, bringing almost like a European resurgence and, and giving something to the fans. I can honestly say that the first time that I ever stepped foot in Europe was with the WWE. I never traveled uh, in, in my life overseas. I was blown away the first time that I ever attended a show working for the WWE, even doing NXT UK when you debuted as well. 
what is it about your love for your home country and, and the love for the fans there? I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say it's just, it's related to like home, home country. I don't really think, I, I just like the, what I like about Europe is when you go to sporting events in Europe, it's almost similar to like football matches where fans are very emotionally tied to a certain club. It doesn't matter how they do, if they do well or if they do good, everybody still shows up and is putting in everything, all the energy they have uh, to support the club and wrestling in, in, in like, it, it doesn't matter if it's Germany or England, the fans are just really into it. They want to actively support the talent and the, the, the promotions they, they attend for everything to grow. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a different emotional connection, I would say, to the action in the ring. Walk us through the experience that you had, essentially being the biggest fish in the European pond before heading stateside and stepping foot in, in through the doors of WWE. I know you did some independent stuff in between. What was that transition like for you? Because I, I, I still try to keep an eye on the independence, but I, it's difficult these days, particularly overseas. But you had a buzz about you. I knew who Walter was long before you and I ever met. Uh, yeah. So you, you, you were the guy as far as European wrestling went, sort of the face of that. Now you're stepping in into the deep end, so to speak. What was that transition like for you? Um, from like, first of all, I never thought I, I was never thinking about signing with WWE. That was never like a, a goal. I, you, like, you were like, happy like, focusing on, on what you had at, at hand. Yeah, I was happy in the process. Like, I think sometimes you get lost too much when you think about the future. I think it's, I, and I have to force myself to do that as well. Sometimes your, your head is way, yeah, your brain is way ahead of you actually. So I always try to focus on what I'm, what I'm doing right now. But when, and for me, it was always a big thing. I was never too keen about like leaving to like leaving Germany or like leaving Europe to move to like to live in the United States or something like that. I'm, and I don't mean to cut you off, but that's a, that's a daunting task. That is a massive change for anybody in every any walk of life. And I yeah. think we're so, I don't want to say spoiled, but used to seeing stars from all over the globe. And we just assume, well, they're with WWE. They just live, you almost forget about the person behind the role and what a drastic change that can be. That's a good point. Yeah, no, definitely. It's a big step. And I think most of, most of, the, most of the other wrestlers are willing to do because that was their goal from maybe day one or early in their career. That's where they wanted to go. And for me, for the most time in my, in my life, it was never a realistic thing that I could actually ever wrestle for WWE or something like that. It wasn't because when I started 10 years ago, the wrestling world was very different. The WWE was very protected from or isolated from everybody else. Right. It was so difficult to get into WWE and they opened up a few years ago and actually realized how much talent there is out there still to, to actually work with. Um, but when everything came to talks with NXT UK, uh, at first, like I was, they talked to me right when it started and that was doing really well on the Indies like you mentioned. And I just wanted to see what else comes up and I was just, uh, I just said, wait and let's see what happens. Yeah. When everything came together and it NXT UK existed a little bit and also we're thinking about myself because the travel schedule on the Indies was really rough. It was like, I mean, I'm aware like people on Raw and SmackDown, you, you guys did that. You travel a lot. It's like three, four nights a week or something like that. Sure. But uh, on the Indies, 
it's it was I would say it was a little it, it's different. Most of the guys did it themselves because you're working for a different guy every day. You have to take care, like you have to carry your merchandise with you. You have to <laughs> you have to organize everything. If you just rely on the promoters, there's a big chance you just get stranded somewhere because somebody forgot forgot about a plane ticket or something. So there came a little bit of a administrative hassle with that. I would say as well. <laughs> And I was only home like three, like three days or two or three days a week. And otherwise I was traveling. So I was like, okay, I need to, I can't do this forever. I'm grinding in now, but that's not, I can't do it forever. It's not, I felt, I felt like I come home and I'm visiting my girlfriend's place. And I was like, ah, that's, <laughs> that needs to change. So, and when NXT UK came up and then we talked again, it was sounded like, okay, that's obviously the focus is to build something here in Europe and UK is just the logic first step in that process because England is the was the was the hardest place to be in 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 Europe for wrestling and yeah and then and then I felt like that sounds right where I belong and then I got started. What does it mean to you to to represent the WWE through the NXT UK Championship that you are now the face of WWE for the UK wrestling scene? What does that feel like? Um, it's a it's a big responsibility, of course. It's like I I always feel that as the NXT UK champion now, then I would I would be the one that when I have a match, my match would be seen by the most people out of everybody else from NXT UK. So there comes a responsibility with that to actually showcase what European wrestling is all about. And that's something I'm I would say I'm really proud of because I, I can I can still I, I never had to change for WWE. I can still I'm still the same person as I was three years ago when it worked for everybody else and just to be able to stick with that and like still like showcase wrestling the way I think it's, yeah, I think it's right in, in my way and actually get that attention for it and get the trust of you know, people in WWE for that. That's, that's a nice accomplishment. Of course. I, I love that statement that you just made because I was about to ask you to explain and elaborate on the mat being sacred to you and Imperium. But I think you pretty much just summed it up right there. The, the way that you've done it, you've done it your way every step along the way. And it means so much to you to be in the position that you're in now, man. I, I have all the respect in the world for that. Thank you. I'd say the, the, the mat is pure, always, you know, something you've even told me when we've talked about things. And one thing I've never asked you, though, Walter, is when you came to WWE and you're on a much bigger scale, so to speak, and there's more more eyes on you. I was always getting thrown the word to me about you from the you know, fans throwback throwback. What does it mean to you in your mind of being described as a throwback professional wrestler? If throwback sounds so negative in the first place, I kind of think, right? Right. <laughs> way, way to offend him, Vic. I didn't offend him. He's seen me. He's seen me at my very worst like you have, Greg. So there's nothing I can say here that's going to offend him. No, it's like, obviously, a lot of the stuff I do, I picked up from wrestlers that were in their high time, like generations before, like before now. Um, but wrestling at the end of the day, if you look at how wrestling developed, some of the things never change. And I... I was aware I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm never going to be somebody who's going to be overly spectacular with athletic stuff and stuff like that. So I always focused about, I think wrestling for me, wrestling has to look like competition, but has like dramatic competition. There has to be drama and chaos about that a little bit too. And that's what I always try to, yeah, I always try to get that to the people. I was never, when, since I'm around, I'm one of the, biggest guys like physically right i'm tall so i cannot compete with everyone 
with everybody else doing exciting exciting moves or jumping off the top rope or being crazy athletic so i just thought i need to i need to get i need to connect with the people differently i want to i want to get them on their sub subconscious reactions like people have naturally in them so when i do something i never go for it to be exciting but i always go for people to react like like oh uh, you know what i mean like an automatic reaction that we all have in in us and that's what i always aim for to get. that's something that vic and i always discuss about how it is the the most important thing about this business is believability and that is definitely something that you bring in spades every time you compete in the ring is believability it's I don't know about this guy or that guy, but that dude, Walter, that guy's for real. I don't want to fight that guy. And that's, that's something you can't necessarily teach. It's the way you carry yourself. It's the way you move in the ring. And I truly think that's what sets you apart from so many of today's competitors. Yeah. Um, that, I think that sums it up. That sums it up pretty good because I, I would say, especially in the Indies and I don't want to, I don't want to talk down to everybody, but you end up on shows where most of the card is really not good. It's not, not a good display of our sport. And you can see, because I used to like to watch, uh, I, I used to try to watch most of the show, like when I'm on the show to see how people are reacting and stuff like that. And you on the Indies often you see like people go like, oh, well, they try. But like you said, when I walk out, I want everybody to be like, oh, okay, whatever happened before. Now we, we're getting serious now. Yeah, it's always interesting too, you know, Walter, for me, I remember this is a story that I've never told the first time you debuted and someone was like, okay, well, you know, uh, Walter. And I go, well, who's Walter? Oh, he's Walter. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and when you walk through that curtain and I was like, oh, and I said in the moment, the pure presence of Walter and it's so true, man. When you come out, you Graves, back to what Graves just said, you command the attention of the crowd. You command the attention of us as announcers, like, okay, watch your P's and Q's. I mean, this is the guy. And, and that's something that I, I say to you all the time. Like, it's so easy to work with you because there is so much to work with for the very little that you say to anybody. It's 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 absolutely amazing. That's just me to you. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Vic had the number down. What is the what is oh, yeah. the number on the title reign that's still counting? So, Walter, we're knocking on about 800 days, and it's continuing to tick for you. And I, I know we've talked about this journey that you've been on. But, man, did you ever think when you started that you would be in the same breath as Bruno Sammartino and Hulk Hogan? I mean, of course, I wouldn't have thought about that, but that's also not a claim I would make just because the same number is on our title runs, you know? What I, mean? <laughs> I, love, I love that mindset, man. I love that. <laughs> but it's uh, it's very nice to 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 take like to notice that people put it that way. <laughs> yeah, embarking right now just to give context, you have the longest title reign in WWE since Hulkamania. So everyone listening, let that sink in. Hell yeah! What is on the horizon for Walter in WWE and beyond? I mean, time will tell about this, I guess. I mean, I, it's something I can't, I can't really tell. Um, right now, I'm, I, try, I always try to focus on the, on the next thing. Like our, like our life, since, since COVID, our life changed so much, especially over here in the UK. Like before that, I was traveling quite a bunch and showing up different places in WWE and I was always busy. And right now it's like, okay, I have maybe one match every two months to focus on. 
It's very Talk to me about that a little bit, because you mentioned when the interview, when we started the interview that you're actually in a, in a hotel in London right now because of yeah. the travel restrictions. I don't know that we've had anybody on the show that has traveled internationally. Actually, I don't think we all have. The COVID restrictions have begun. So just give us a Cliff's Notes version of what it's like just for you to come to compete at NXT and, and make it back home. Um, yeah, that's the thing. Like since COVID is around and they... When it first when it first came up, there was like a, we had like a break of like five months or six months where nothing happened, and then we started to uh, do shows at BT Studios again. And for that, usually there's a there's a training camp for the UK talent uh, before the taping days. And when we came back again, it would just add. So that's a 10 day trip for usually for the, for, for a set of tapings for us. And that would just add another week in front of that for quarantining in a hotel room and also quarantining when we would return to, to our home countries again. So actually it would almost take up a whole month. Just for one set of tapings. One set of tapings done. Yeah. That changed. That, that's fair. I mean, that's something kind of have to live with but on the other hand i gotta say we got we were very lucky like I, I see so many of my former colleagues that are still like working on the indies having big troubles during that time and stuff like that so i think we yeah i think we're all blessed to be in a better situation over that i mean i had nothing to worry about over all of COVID, and i'm really i'm really thankful for that so no, I agree with you, man. That's that's a great outlook and, and appreciation shown and all the more reason that wherever you are, whether you're in the UK or the US, support the independence, man. That's how we all ended up here. Yeah. I mean, of course. True. Like, I, I think it's the same with, I don't know, it's football games too. Like I would live, the next biggest football club is like a few cities away and that's like a main, like Bundesliga is like the main, the main league football club. But right. I would often more enjoy just go to the local one, fourth league and enjoy the atmosphere there. It's, uh, it has something to it. As a wrestling fans or whatever, there would be a, also as a WWE fan, wherever there would be a independent, uh, independent show close to me, I would definitely go there. And it's, he keeps it's, saying football, man. I keep getting thrown off. I'm like, oh, we're going to talk draft. And he's like, oh, club. And I go, what are you talking? Oh, yeah, I forgot. You're intolerable. I yeah. know. He gets it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Walter, before we let you go, I have to ask, I know you've already established it's not how your thought process works, but this is your time to be selfish. Who does Walter want to face in a WWE ring? It can be Raw, SmackDown, NXT. It doesn't matter what brand, where they're from. Walter versus who as a main event? Um, there, would be, there would be a bunch of guys, of course. Like when I first got into watching other wrestling in WWE, I was looking, I was watching a lot of Ring of Honor. Okay. So a lot of those guys are the top guys in WWE right now. So Daniel Bryan would be one of the matches I really wanted to do. Uh, obviously Cesaro. That's one Have of you ever worked with Cesaro? Never did, no. Okay, that's, that's oh, been man, one of my, be. my <laughs> secret dream matches for the past couple of years. So yeah, he left, he left to America before I really got going uh, in Germany. And he's a, and he's a, in general, he's a great role model for all of us, I would say, German-speaking WWE talent that I just got in. And he's always been super supportive. As soon as we stepped foot in WWE, he reached his hand out to all of us to be supportive about it. So, And he's a fantastic wrestler. So he would be one of the guys I, I would really like to, to face. And regarding NXT right now, I think that one match I really wanted to do before COVID and that has to happen is uh, against Finn Balor. Hell I yeah. Think, yeah, a very good fit too. And yeah, those would be the 
the free. I, will be I love it, man. I can't wait. Uh, hopefully they both happen sooner than later. You can sign me up. Hopefully, hopefully you, you, you're going to have to come to Monday Night Raw or something because I want to call you and Cesaro. <laughs> maybe, I'll, maybe I'll have to fly over with Vic. We'll do a UK match. <laughs> well, Graves, you always have an open door at NXT, man. And Walter, you know, you never know when you're going to set back foot in that Capitol Wrestling Center. So, Graves, my invitation to you to come call Walter match. Perfect, perfect. I'll take you up on that. Walter, thank you so much for your time, man. We appreciate it. Keep doing what you're doing. I, as a fan, am enjoying the living hell out of every time you step in the ring. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much for having me and give me a chance to chat with you guys a little bit. And yeah, I see you around, I guess. You're always welcome on ATV, man. You let us know. Thank you, guys. Thank you one more time to the NXT UK champion, the leader of Imperium, Walter. That was awesome, man. That was that was enlightening to me. Yeah, he's, you know, Walter's an interesting individual and it's it's for, you know, the good things that he he says and does and I really am asking you, Graves, please come to NXT the next time Walter is here because, dude, you need to experience calling a Walter match. It's unbelievable. I, I called the, the Survivor Series match he was part of briefly, but I want to call a proper Walter main event. Hunter, if you're listening, I'm available. I'll make it happen. Just throwing it out there, aren't you? You're really That's going right. for it. I'm, I'm <laughs> believing into this whole whatever well, I put out in the universe. the last time you messaged Hunter about NXT, you actually did show up on NXT. If you remember, it was TakeOver... 30, 30, you, myself. Yeah. yeah, so weirder things have happened in the WWE. I can't wait. Something to put on my bucket list. And uh, something to put on your bucket list is fill in the after the bell mailbag. Use the hashtag AskATB. A-S-K-A-T-B. Six letters, one goal. We want to answer what you want the answers to. Fill up the mailbag and uh, we'll start answering them on some upcoming episodes of ATB. As always, you follow at after the bell WWE on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me at WWE Graves. You can find him at Vic Joseph WWE. If you're using Apple Podcasts, please hit the subscribe button and throw us five stars. At least four. Okay, not everything can be five stars, but at least four is a good start. No, 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 do five. Okay, great. I I like your idea better. If you're using Android, follow ATB on Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, or Google Podcasts so that you never miss an episode. There's so much to learn, so much fun to be had, so much to discuss You can follow all of your favorite shows in the WWE Podcast Network at WWE Podcasts on all social media platforms. As I'm reading all this stuff, my head is only going one way, Vic. I can't stop wondering what the hell would happen if Walter chopped you. Oh, no way in hell. We'll be back next week with more Mount Rushmore, more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell. G3 Assistance through Virginia's community colleges is your pathway to a new future, helping those who qualify pay for school and train for the right career. Right where you are, right now. Get a skill. Get a job. Get ahead. You can learn more at vccs.edu forward slash G3.